I welcome everybody. Uh, my guest today is my buddy, Dale Hageman from Spirit HR in the great state of Oklahoma, um, who I haven't seen since, God, uh, I don't know, 12 hours or something? Not much more than not many more than that, no. Something like that. So yeah. uh, we're recording this in early June, and I was in Oklahoma yesterday and had lunch with Dale uh, in Oklahoma City. So it was great. We had a chance to catch up. And I, I will start by saying that uh, if you want to blame anybody, Dale was the chair of the search committee that picked me. So if you've got any, if you've got any gripes or grudges over the last 12 years, He's really the guy to see or to blame it on. I, I'd say that that really is it. So uh, anyhow, so welcome. So thanks for thanks for uh, being willing to do this. Well, sure. And I haven't had anybody blame me. I I enjoy taking the credit. It was a <laughs> great choice. <laughs> well, the uh, the day's not over, and you're never sure how it's going to play out. <laughs> I gotta see. It's the it's the grumbling behind the scenes we don't hear. You know. Okay. <laughs> So uh, we'll start at the beginning. So uh, Dale Hageman's life. So you were born in Nebraska, right? Born in Nebraska. Okay. Yes. And um, your uh, your mom and dad. I grew up grew up in Lincoln. They both graduated from the University of Nebraska, as did myself and both of my siblings, my brother and sister. It was the only place to go to school. You display that Nebraska stuff in Oklahoma. That's a little hazardous, isn't it? Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so your career, not in the PO industry, but sort of almost first job, uh, begins in the circus, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Besides mowing lawns, yes. <laughs> I think we, we, all started, we all started mowing lawns, right? Yeah, true. That's true. Um, so you tell me about the circus. Okay. Well, you were going to ask me what's something people don't know about me. So I guess we're doing that first. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. That was going to be your answer. Okay. Great. Yeah. So we'll fold them into one. Yeah. It's such a great story. Yeah. My dad represented the Dental Association at the Nebraska State Fair, and he ends up meeting a guy who owns a concession out there and found out how much margin there was in selling popcorn. So he bought the guy's popcorn trailer, and it became our college project and financing and actually ended up putting all three of uh, my brother, sister and I through school. Um, but I'm the oldest. And so he got this idea, well, if the, if the Nebraska State Fair is good, a bunch of fairs would be even better. So he hires a college kid from our church, buys a pickup truck with a camper shell and signs a contract with a carnival. And I spent two summers on the road at all in all these little towns with this carnival um, at, at like county fairs. <laughs> Just in Nebraska? Nebraska and Kansas. Yeah. And did you, you lived in your car or what did you, you do? We, li we, we lived in the, in the camper shell in the back of the, in the back of the pickup. And, and uh, it, it didn't have a bathroom or a shower. We went to truck stops and, and uh, the municipal swimming pool so we could get a shower. <laughs> And so wait, how old were you when you were doing this? I was uh, like 14 and 15. But you couldn't drive. So you had to have the. the, the couldn't school. drive. Right. Couldn't drive. So <laughs> I just got to ask you, this is a random question. What What's the markup on popcorn? Is it, is it better than PEO or what? what? Like, what's it like? It's a lot better. <laughs> yeah. No, it's yeah, it's very high. Your cost of goods is less. Less than twenty percent of your, you know, what you're selling. So it's it's a bit it's a big margin business. Wow, it's unbelievable. And so, how many how many summers did you do that? Two summers, just two summers, and then uh, that was enough. And it, the, there was not not near as good a vol volume at these little uh, small towns as there was at the state fair. I actually got a contract at the Kansas State Fair. So then my brother and sister kind of worked in Nebraska and, and Kansas fair, fair for a few years. My brother's six years younger than me. So he probably owned it for about, I don't know, 10 years. But once we were all through college, he sold it. <laughs> wow. And uh, those state fairs, I went to law school in Minnesota. Uh, they're a big deal, man. Right. So how long, yeah. how long does Kansas State Fair go for? A couple of weeks? Uh, no, it's just uh, seven days. Oh, okay. Just one okay. week. Just one week. Okay. But you can make a lot of money in those seven days, right? Yes. 
Unbelievable. Okay, so you gave up the popcorn business and then made your way to uh, U of Nebraska? Yes, <laughs> I and, did. And what did you study there? Well, uh, the, the space program was going good. My high school counselor told me I should become an engineer. So I started out in that and I took math and, and science and I hated chemistry. <laughs> so... <laughs> Then I, I switched to accounting. I said, well, the math's good. Uh, I'll just go to business school and uh, and get an accounting degree. So that's that's what I did. Um, I, I always joke, you know, when they, they, when they say, what'd you take up in college? I always say I took up space, but it was a different kind of expression. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, 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 it wasn't the space program. It was it was physical space. That was about it. So, right. so uh, you got your accounting degree. Yeah. Uh, but along the way, I have to mention this because you married up. You also found a girl from New Jersey. I did. Uh, I met a, met a guy my age at Nebraska um, who was from New Jersey. They lived in Kansas City back in their earlier part of their life when their dad worked there. And um, he became a friend of mine. And I met his sister through that and ended up meeting marrying Linda, which was his uh, younger sister. So you again, you married up, married a girl from New Jersey, which is fantastic. Yeah, and, uh, and never looked back. And how many how many years is it this year? Um, in thirty days will be our 49th anniversary. Forty nine. So I graduated from school in seventy four, and then we got married in the summer of seventy four after I I graduated from school. Okay, okay. So uh, how did you get to Oklahoma? Through my friend. Uh, he, he was going to go to same guy, her, her brother, um, was going to, uh, he was going to be, go into journalism. He was loved sports. He loved, uh, college sports over pro sports, which, which is why he wanted to come out to the Midwest where college sports was dominant over professional sports. But by the time he graduated from school, he decided to use his speaking skills and stuff to become a pastor. So he went to Dallas, moved to Dallas. They got married a summer before we did. He did. Um, went to seminary for four years and then ended up in a church in Norman, Oklahoma, because he still had a love for college towns, mm-hmm. which is where the University of Oklahoma is. Sure. So, so give that two more years. They had kids. We had kids. We're still friends. I'm brother, brother and sisters. So we picked up and relocated, and I got a job at a CPA firm in Oklahoma City, and that's why I live in Norman, which is where he lives and where the church is, and I've lived here since we moved here. Wow. <laughs> but, you, but you got your CPA? Yes. You got your CPA. Yes. So what was your first job in Norman? Were you, did you have a job when you got there, or you found one? Yeah, yeah. I was working for a, a CPA firm in, in, in Lincoln when I got out of school. Okay. Uh, we got married, had our first two kids. And uh, so then we moved down here a couple of years later. But yeah, I, I, um, we visited them for Thanksgiving and uh, he introduced me to a, a CPA and they says, hey, the oil business is booming down here. There's lots of jobs. And I found myself a job at, at a CPA firm and was hired and started January 2nd. And so we, we moved down here. Wow. <laughs> we've been um, here. Yeah, I've been there ever since. Right. Yep. Yeah. So uh, what was the journey from there to the PBO industry? A couple of years in public accounting, uh, took a job with an energy company uh, like, that was a client, like a lot of accountants do that want to get out of accounting. Yep. And uh, <laughs> but I didn't I was I grew up in Nebraska, not Oklahoma, and I really didn't know anything about energy. So I had an, I got another opportunity uh, with a real estate development business firm. So went to work for them and um, we were doing real estate development and real estate development evolved into a property management company, which grew rapidly. And while I was there, we went from a dozen employees to almost 400 employees and we didn't have a we didn't have an HR function. (laughs) And so uh, hired an HR person, um, Marilyn Conyer, who is the president of Spirit. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, she ran HR and I did payroll and uh, got immersed in employee benefits and 
HR compliance and stuff because the other partners in the firm were all real estate guys. Yeah, yeah. So that led to, we had these employees all over the place at different properties and we had a system built to um, bill out the costs of the payroll and benefits and uh, workers' compensation to the property owners where we we managed for uh, third-party owners. And, and they were all in Oklahoma? Oklahoma, Texas, North oh, Texas, okay. and okay. some in Colorado. Okay. Yeah, mostly Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So that went on approximately 10 years. And we're looking for another business to get in, to diversify, and discovered the employee leasing business. <laughs> and uh, so I uh, uh, I told the real estate partners, I said, uh, we ought to start a company like this and offer these services. I've already got a system. It was not as sophisticated, certainly, as technology is today, but um, to do this. And I think we can do it and offer the same services to other small businesses in Oklahoma, and it'll generate, you know, regular cash flow. Um, so they, uh, and I, and I said, I don't want to be the CFO. I want to be the CEO and I want to, I'd like to run it and, and build it. And, uh, they bought me the, um, the one minute salesman book. That's a <laughs> this little paperback book. Yeah, they, yeah. They're like, Dale, you've never sold anything. <laughs> <laughs> And so uh, I said, okay. So that's that's how it got going. And so, so they uh, they funded a new company, or did yes. you start it, or what happened? They funded it. They backed it. Um, um, uh, they provided the the capital initially. Marilyn and I were the first two employees, and we worked for basically serving the real estate business for the first year as well as getting our everything together organized to to grow accord human resources wow so then so what yeah so what did you do so did you break off and start your own thing or did they spin it off or were they still owners in accord right yeah how did they, accord come about they they we formed accord human resources we worked with the marketing firm came in with the name and the logo and you know the marketing plan and stuff but they were majority owners and I was a minority owner. Okay. Um, so when they set up that company, that was a cord. It was, that was a cord. Okay. Got it. Got it. We set up that company. They were, they were investors and did the, provided the initial financing mm-hmm. to, to get us, to get it going. A, a side, a, a side tidbit. We went to the law firm, big law firm downtown Oklahoma City that we've used for real estate and business stuff forever and told them what we wanted to do. And they're like, that's about it. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) We've got all these law books here. There's nothing like co-employment. You're going to get yourself in trouble and we don't know how to defend you. (laughs) (laughs) So the second half of that is I went on a search and I was like, I need to find somebody who can write us a client service agreement to describe this. And T. Joe Willie out in California, who I found, who was one of the founders, um, steered me to Greg Hammond. So Greg Hammond was practicing law before he was in the PO business, but he was deep into it. He wrote our first client service agreement. Really? Yes. <laughs> That's why I, I had no idea. That's And you're right. The, the industry was so new then. Right. And there, there was no Google. You got to try to track these people down, right? Right. Right. So, uh, so what year was it when Accord started? Ninety-two. Okay. Nineteen ninety-two. Okay. And then, did you ultimately buy it back from them, or did they stay as partners? They stayed as partners, and we grew it for um, fifth, almost about fifteen years. Wow. And they decided in about two thousand six, you know, this has gotten a lot bigger than any of us thought it would. We'd like to monetize our investment. And uh, if you can find somebody to buy us out, um, find go f- find your own partner and and then you can go take it wherever you want. So I found a, a small private equity firm and uh, a, a private equity buyers um, bought them out. Okay. Okay. So that was our first, that was a tra- first transaction in, in 2007. And then we went through the um, 
downturn in the economy in 2008 and 2009, and the investors were very uptight. <laughs> and uh, they're looking at quarterly earnings. I said, don't value it today. We're not selling it. It'll be okay. And we got through that and came out really strong in 2010 and 11. And they're, you know, they're, we're kind of five years and looking for a buyer. And I'd known Greg, but I also got to know um, Martin Babinick over the years a lot. We used to uh, slip away at Napio conferences and have a glass of wine. And I had private equity investors and he had always dealt with private equity. And he was one of my mentors that said, here's here's the, what they're looking for. This is what they want. This is what they need. And gave me a lot of advice about how to work with my investors and so forth. So he was a he was a mentor and, and longtime friend. So when we got ready to sell, we uh, I went to Greg and that's that's where it started. And uh, so then Accord and the private equity guys, we sold to Trinet in 2013. 2013. And uh, how many worksite employees did you have when you started and how many in 2013? Zero when we started. Oh, right, right. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess. But soon after you started, you had some existing clients, right? That first year. Well, Price Edwards, a real estate company, was our was our first client. Okay. So, yeah. So, it wasn't quite zero, right. um, but it, yeah, we started selling in Oklahoma City, mm -hmm. um, but it expanded a lot. Um, we we found opportunities in in a lot of different cities uh, around top notch salespeople. So we we expanded in Dallas, uh, Denver. Uh, we had offices in Orange County and uh, in uh, up in Northern California in. Oakland, San Francisco. We bought a small PEO in Atlanta. So we had business in Georgia and we opened up in uh, Tampa through a mutual friend, introduced me to John Jones, who had been in the PO business in Florida for a long time. And so that's how we uh, got going in, in Florida. Florida ended up being our second largest market. Wow. That's unbelievable. So how many worksite employees did you have when you sold to uh, Trinet? About 15,000. Wow. Wow. All right. Yeah. Boy, considering where you started, that's a good size, you know? Yeah. 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 So what was that like? What was selling your company like? People are doing that these days. So what was that like? What was it like? What part of it? <laughs> um, For the you know, everything like the decision to sell, you know, because you are, uh, you know, we will talk about that. You're a serial entrepreneur, right? You're, you know, uh, you know, you run the business, you got started, you built it up to 15,000 over 20 years, 15 years is great. So yeah. the decision to do it and working your way through it, you know, all of it. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was right at 20 years from when we founded it to when we finally completely sold out. Um, it was very Financially rewarding for the sellers, it was really good. You know, it was a it was a huge return. It was a, it was a home run. Yeah. Um, it was rewarding to, and I've told this story hundreds of times now, right? Uh, to to build something from nothing into something that had value, and we had a great culture and really uh, solid people that um, were mostly on the same page all the time, and. Uh, a lot of happy long-term customers, so it was it was a it was a great experience. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a lot of work. Um, went through many ups and downs of the insurance cycles of yeah. hard markets yeah. and soft markets. Um, so all that was good. Um, selling to another consolidator is hard on people. <laughs> so that's the part that's not as fun. Um, regardless of how everything seems to line up. Every company does st things different and has different um, metrics and 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 requirements and and reporting responsibilities change and technology changes. So it's just a lot of changes that's that can yeah. be difficult. And did you you stayed involved? I stayed around for about a year and a half. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah, because it's interesting. And, you know, I, you know, obviously there's a lot of buying and selling going on these days. And, you know, it's always interesting to me that people who don't sell uh, because, you know, the money that's out there, as you said, it's great for the sellers. But, uh, you know, I've, I've come to understand over years this this sense of, of real 
ownership of this is a house I built, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to sell it. Yeah. Yeah. So before you started Spirit, what'd you do? Were you golfing or I know you went to like every Ritz Carlton in the world with Linda. (laughs) (laughs) So after that year and a half, uh, presumably you you don't have to say anything you don't want to say. Presumably you had a non-compete or something, I would guess, of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a lot of opportunities with other people in the industry. Um, I was trying to figure out what, you know, what I wanted to do. I, I wasn't ready to retire. Um, we, we did build a house and, and moved to a golf course with the thought that I would play more golf. <laughs> but I, I love the business and, and the people and growing it more than I do playing golf. So I, uh, I play, I live on a golf course, but I, and it's, I have a beautiful backyard, but I don't play much golf. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not a very rewarding experience anyway. So that's a, certain, something I understand, you know? Right. Right. So I was looking for opportunities and, you know, just PO is what I knew and so yeah. forth. Yeah. So uh, I convinced uh, Marilyn, we ought to start another PO. So we were, um, that was before work from home was popular, but yeah. she lived in North Oklahoma City and I lived in Norman on opposite sides of the metro. So we met at a coffee shop once a week and worked on our business plan. <laughs> so we had it all put together and got it formed, hired a marketing company to, again, to, uh, like we did with Accord, to come up with a name and a logo and a URL for a website. Um, got our contracts put in place, got our technology and kind of put all the pieces together and then we started hiring former court people (laughs) (laughs) what was it like you know starting a company 20 years later right after you would you just you had done this 20 some years before what what was different or was it was it the same uh it's not the same um it's it's fun (laughs) but it's not as easy as you think it's going to be when you go into it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's still real work and real thought and it takes real money and uh you know all of that stuff yeah. um you need you need consultants you need you need a marketing company you need a legal legal assistance you got to go find a play uh, sign a lease on a space and, and it's it's just a bunch of blocking and tackling it's not hard but it just you, you can't just uh flip on the light switch and go yeah, yeah, it was an opportunity to capitalize on the things we know and the things that worked really well, and avoid a few things that you know we knew we didn't want to do. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. One of the most rewarding things I think also was um, there's a lot of great vendors that have been serving our industry for a long time, and it yeah. can be hard for true startups to find those people, build relationships. But we had great relationships. And so that part was a, a, a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, insurance carriers and so forth, yeah. you know, em- embraced us as a startup because of the experience that we had. So they've yep. been great uh, partners yep. to us. Yeah. It's funny. I think my experience, I always get this backwards, but there's the saying, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, uh, good judgment comes from experience or something and experience comes from bad judgment. So like, yeah. Right. Right. right, right. It's like, right. That's how you learn, right? That, that is how you learn. Um, so uh, how is it? I mean, how's it, how's it going? So, so you guys have been in business now. How long is spirit? Uh, we're going on seven years. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and how's it going? It's good. It's, it's good. Um, we're, we're having a good time. We've, you know, rejoined with some of our old customers, but mm-hmm. but but not a ton. Most of our customers are new. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are still with Trinet, and others are, you know, yep. gone on to other other places. Yep. Um, but it's but it's been good. COVID didn't hurt us bad. Uh, we weren't overly affected. A few of our clients were, um, but we came through it pretty good. And um, with some some decent growth on the backside of it, including our existing customers who maybe dipped have come back stronger than ever. Mm-hmm. So that part's that part's been good. We do have a pretty big, besides Oklahoma, uh, we were able to um, reconnect with our best 
salesperson at Accord uh, that that's in Tampa. So we have a, a a nice book of business in the Tampa Bay area as well. Great, that's great. Yeah. So when you go out to sell, what's your yeah. better mousetrap? Why, why, you know, uh, sometimes you're selling against other PEOs, but what's the what's the pitch for Spirit HR? Customer focus, personalized service, responsiveness, integrity, connecting every customer with a, a dedicated team and giving them email addresses and direct phone lines and and calling people back and mm-hmm. answering their questions <laughs> and working it every week on improving processes, growing and adding people where one person be- becomes two and three becomes a department. Um, it, there's just so many processes in a PEO and it's so easy to have issues. Uh, yeah. Um, so, and hiring great people that we like working with and love working as a team where uh, everybody just has a, has an outstanding attitude. They understand the customers first and yes, HR is difficult. <laughs> And we're helping people with their problems. So it's it's not always fun, but it's rewarding to be able to assist them and help them uh, deliver on what we promise. And that is to help them be better employers. So uh, you and I have talked a lot about culture and everybody knows this is the only thing I care about. How do you, how did you at Accord and how do you at Spirit create a culture? What's the culture like and how did you create it? How do you create it? It is a focus about the customer, but also on on people, on um, families, and that as important as the business is to me, and <laughs> uh, that you know their personal lives are really number one, and their families are. I told, told somebody this week, somebody was asking for time off. I gave, gave it to him. I told I told Marilyn Conyer, I I try to never turn anybody down. We've got really good people. If you need to take time off, I want you to take time off. I I'm, I have confidence every day that you've got your job handled and it'll get done and your coworkers will, will cover you and they'll do that for each other, uh, which yep. allows them to be able to do that. So it's having flexibility. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And not taking ourselves too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I believe in that. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're, you're the master at that. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, you've been in the industry, uh, you know, you've seen the industry morph over so many uh, years. Uh, how has it changed? And especially like the experience with Accord versus the experience with Spirit. How has the industry changed? Starting up then versus starting up now? A couple of big things, I think. One, they're probably both obvious, but I mean, technology is one. Yeah. We had we had one PC and we built spreadsheets and we we typed up uh, customer invoices you know on a spreadsheet when we started. <laughs> we had a fax machine. <laughs> and well, the, IRS, fax- the IRS still uses fax machines. I know, but people would fax us their time. <laughs> um, so technology has advanced tremendously, um, and so it does create different kinds of PEOs, right? Some of them leverage that a lot. And, yep. and, and there's lots of customers that like that. Yep. We are part of our DNA is having great technology because I feel like you need to have it, but still having the, having the personal touch to override it, to, to integrate with it. So I think technology changes is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. The other is, just the DNA of PEOs has changed because you now have professional investors. And I'm not saying they weren't professional, but you've got business school and people that are come into the business that have had other big company experience. Um, this business, when I started, was a very much a totally entrepreneurial kind of risk takers. It was a bit of the wild, wild west. And we got tarnished a little bit for bad behavior sometimes. There were no rules. People were making up the rules and most of them were doing the best they could and they weren't trying intentionally doing anything wrong. But we were, you know, we were in the gray, right? 
There was no definition of co-employment. So everybody kind of had their own version. Yeah. So that's a lot more to find now, but the, the business is also much more sophisticated just yeah. because of <laughs> it's, it's not shooting by the hip like, like it was at the time. Yep. The survivors are still around. They, you know, they shot pretty well and, and, <laughs> and, and they persevered and it's yep. great. Uh, yep. It's there. There's a bunch of awesome people as you, and you know, a lot of them. Yep. Uh, so I think the leadership and, and all of that is, is, has evolved a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. So let me, that, that, that reminds me. So uh, <laughs> how, what was the journey from Dale Hageman renegade to Dale Hageman chair of Napio? <laughs> but that's interesting right so you, you know you were kind of you were you were you know you led the riders uh the wild west there for a while and then well, you know, became a you know you, you know you joined the over 30 crowd you know <laughs> so like so talk to me about that though so what you know obviously you know uh you were in business more but you're such a uh, you have such enormous integrity and you're, you're such a you know a solid guy but what yeah, talk to me about that. What was that change? What did we change or did you change? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of both. Um, as I said, I, I mean, I always believed in doing the right thing from from start to today. And so I'm a I'm a, a low rules kind of guy. I, I resent in some ways being told what to do because I I'm going to do the right thing. <laughs> so uh, it's so resisting things like a regulation that I think is dumb frustrates me. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I pushed back on a lot of that stuff and that got perceived and viewed. And maybe it was, uh, you know, being a, a bit of a renegade, mm -hmm. but it wasn't that I was trying to get away with something or do something wrong. It was yeah. just like, I, I felt like um, we're, we're providing a great service here to small businesses. We're not, uh, they're benefiting. We're benefiting. The employees are benefiting both theirs and ours. This is, there's, this, this is all good stuff. <laughs> and so therefore the less regulation, the better. But I think as I matured, maybe and part of my CPA background and all that was you got to live by a, a set of rules and regulations and laws. And, and it was ultimately inevitable that, you know, the business was going to be regulated more and, and needed to be. So I, I just, I would never say I love it, but I sort of accepted it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and therefore yeah. get on the other side and help frame it the best way it could be. So yeah. that's why that's, that's really how the evolution occurred. And also, I, I mean, I'm guessing probably seeing some of the deadbeats along the way, yeah, well, you experience it firsthand. You probably realized, hey, I I live by a code, but not yeah. does. Right, that's that's true. <laughs> you know, probably some of that too. What yeah. um do you and I I pray to God you say yes. Are are you noticing greater awareness of PEOs as you go around and because I know you do sales calls, right? You go out and you to talk to people all the time. Yeah, Is awareness increasing a a little bit. I hope. Awareness is increasing a little bit. Uh, we've still got a ways to go, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but it, it, I don't usually lead with PEO. I never do. I talk about what we do and how we help small businesses and their people. And, um, but you still get the spectrum of, I've never heard of that to, <laughs> oh, you mean like a PEO? Yes. <laughs> yes. Bing, 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 bing. Yes. You know, you know what a PO is, yeah. And so you hear more of those now. That it, it's it's going the right direction, but there's still work to be done. Yep, 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 yeah, boy. And and you know, you know, right? I know you, you were the first one to say to me, um, you know, we need to spend as much on marketing as we do on government affairs. Yes, absolutely. And we're there. When I first got on the board, the the marketing budget was like fifty thousand dollars at Navy. I'm yeah. like, this is. We're not going to grow the, we're not going to grow the industry by being only a regulatory association. We've yep. got to be a marketing association Absolutely. too. So I've been really happy to see, yeah, you know, your vision for that and for the budget to grow substantially yeah. over we're the last fifty thousand. My first year, we're one point four million this year. So yeah, 
That's great. If it's, no, if it's not moving the needle, don't tell me. We would have burned through a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> so what's uh what's the outlook for the industry? Again, you've been in it. You've seen some rocky times. Uh, you know, you've lived through a couple of busts and booms. What's mm-hmm. the outlook for the industry? Actually, a friend of mine asked me today. I said things are going great. He says, well, will they continue? What's your answer? I think the outlook is still good. Why? I think small businesses still need help. I think we just talked about regulation, but government regulation continues to increase and it never stops changing. And it's just hard for small and medium-sized businesses to deal with it. They just, it's very difficult and we make it so much easier. And I don't think that's ever going to go away. And as much as we may wish we could saturate more of the small, small, medium-sized business, the good part of it is people keep starting new businesses. So it just, they just keep coming. And so I think there's always a role and an increasing role for PEO. Yeah. I, you know, obviously I'm biased. I agree. And, and the other thing I would add to that, which I say to everybody is the penalties are increasing too. So not only are the regulations increasing, the penalties are increasing. Right. So you're going to, you know, find your way to a PEO sooner or later. Right. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Right. But so what are the headwinds? What do we have to watch out for? What, what would throw us off course as an industry? I don't know if this is going to say throw us off course. What I think is one of the big challenges, and I talked about how much better technology is today, the buyers are embracing more technology and using self-service and technology models. And so the competition from all kinds of different flavors of HR providers now from the, the, the payroll industry, which is huge, is adding more to their services and to the the um, sort of online PEOs, if you will, um, it just creates more competition. So I, I think there's more competition and there's more choices for customers. And it's more important than ever that we, you know, each PEO defines as clearly as they can who they are and what they want to be yep. and, um, and, and, and manage to that. Yep. If you try to be all things to all people, yeah. um, you, you won't be great at anything. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's funny. I, I, I've been saying, and, just, and again, you know, I'm an optimist with all these new entrants in the space. I said in one way it uh, introduces everyone to outsourced HR. Mm-hmm. And then the only argument is which flavor they're going to pick. Right. Mm-hmm. So if we can get more people's brains around outsourced HR. Now we're in that conversation, right? Yes. If somebody else yes. does that work for us. You know, the other, the so-called new entrants, like, hey, you got to outsource your HR. Okay, I've made a decision to do that. Now, at least we get that conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's interesting, but I, a question, though, for you is uh, because, you know, I love the spotlight, the microphone, the, everything, the attention, right? And you're a very laid back guy, right? We're such good friends. We're, we're so opposite in that in that sense. Um, what? Why, why not just be a spectator? Why were you so involved, are so involved in Napio? Even your back is our Oklahoma Leadership Council chair, right? You got uh, 87 grandkids. You live on a golf course. Why? What, what was that? Why, why were you? I'm thrilled that you were, right? Uh, <laughs> why were you so involved in Napio? What made you decide to do that? I work all the time, so I don't have any friends other than people <laughs> in the business. <laughs> That's an easy answer. And Linda would probably tell you the same thing. <laughs> uh, I just think it's a great business. It's so rewarding to be a part of it. Uh, it's it, I like uh, dealing with other entrepreneurs, whether they're PEO owners or, or clients and prospects. What it's the reason... I got a public accounting. What I liked about public accounting was dealing with entrepreneurs and seeing what drove them and how they made money, not about doing tax returns and audits. So it's the same for me about PEO. Marilyn is the HR person. I talk to her about HR questions still after 30, you know, some years in the business. I, I want to try to understand the DNA of the, of the entrepreneur and what drives them and how we can help them. <laughs> so, uh, networking, which is part of being in the industry kind of 
things is also about helping fix things and make them better. But it's doing it arm in arm with other people that have the same sort of uh, passion as I do. Yeah. Um, it, it just whether it's, you know, sitting at a conference table or, you know, at a at a at a banquet and an event or something. It's it's just we've been in the trenches together we, had, we understand the difficult and the hard part the the, easy, the fun part um it's still an industry where people are very sharing and helping each other and i learn a lot of stuff being around you or being around other po owners about what's working and what's not and um so it's it's uh it's it's just rewarding yeah well we benefited from it i mean if you, you were on the board for probably three or four years because then you bumped into the leadership chain, secretary, treasurer, vice chair. And, yeah. and right at the uh, Trinet merger, you know, you became the, uh, the chair that year and then right. past year. Right. So, right. Uh, so right. Six years or so. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, again, <laughs> a lot we, of time we, we in there. It. Yes. What, uh, what's your advice to a new PEO? Somebody's coming in, starting a new PEO. What, what would be your advice to them? They sat down with you said, what do I need? What, what, what do I do? <laughs> um, join APO. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a lot of good, there's a, a ton of great resources. Uh, it, it, it just, it is, it's the place to go to learn. And then do the second thing I was just talking about is go to the meetings and meet other people that are doing it. Mm-hmm. Do that. Go to those before you even form one. See if this is something you think is re- you're really up to. Yeah. Build your projections, but understand it's probably going to take more time and money than you think. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. just it's just hard. And there's like I said earlier, there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hire the best people you can afford mm-hmm. <laughs> to surround yourself with. Um, and I talked about vendors earlier too. The other reason to to be around, you know, your all's events is to to meet those people that have that you you need to help you <laughs> yeah you're not going to be doing it all by yourself yeah. um yeah. and they've got they there's a lot of them around that have got great experience and and they'll help teach you the business too and the things to do and not to do yeah and i guess you would probably say uh play by the rules right i mean absolutely i, mean, I think of you <laughs> i just think of enormous integrity and just tell them like don't don't cut corners, man. Don't cut corners. No, no, uh, absolutely. And my controller who's worked for us for, you know, both companies for probably 15 years now. The other thing is um, pay the taxes first. <laughs> <laughs> Have personal liability. <laughs> as soon as the payroll goes out, we're paying the taxes. <laughs> that's not, not our money. Uh, yep. Um so that's kind of, we're a fiduciary for, you know, 95% of the money that comes in the front door goes out the back. Yep. We've got to track it and, and stay current every day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So here's the question you've been fearing now that I stole your answer. So the last question, but I've got a lot of things here I can say. So uh, <laughs> what people don't know about you. So first, you're a car guy. Yes, I'm a car guy. So you refurbished a car. Talk about that. <laughs> um, at, least, at least one, but the one I know about. Yeah. Went back my to dad. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Mustang guy. My dad helped me get a Mustang when I was in high school. And that's when Mustang first coming out. I never thought of my dad as a car guy, but um, he was, he was, it was really awesome that he helped me do that. Um, so after we'd, you know, done pretty well, I, I was asking him uh, one day, this was, you know, 10 years or so ago, but he's passing now. You know, what was your favorite car when you were my age? And, and, uh, he told me, he described, and he'd never talked about his cars, this, uh, 40 Chevy convertible. that was the first convertible, maybe the only convertible he ever owned. And he, he, um, Drove to school in Nebraska. He met my mother in that convertible and they took it on their honeymoon. So I took it upon myself. To, I got it. My mom had a picture in an old album of, of, of them in it. Um, 
to find and, and restore a 40 Chevy convertible. And I had it all kind of redone and modernized, but still looked pretty retro like his did and uh, gave it to him. Um, and he was about, I think, 88 years old or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just had the biggest, one of the biggest smiles I've ever seen on his face <laughs> in his life. He was just so happy. And what even surprised me even more, because I didn't think my mother's never cared a thing about cars. As long as, you know, you turn the key and it goes, <laughs> she's yeah. happy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got a picture of them. They both got in the car together that day. And I shot a picture and her smile was just as big. And I could just <laughs> see in them. They they looked like they were taking their second honeymoon or something. They were yeah. they were so happy. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really fun. I remember you putting those pictures on Facebook. Just, and they drove around town, right? Yeah. 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 That is that He took is, it to a couple car shows and got some big trophies. So he was pretty I'm proud sure. of it. Yeah. I'm sure. That's, that was just a classic, unbelievable 1940 uh restored and it looked just terrific. Right? It was yeah. Great. Um yeah. okay, so that's one thing. Uh, you have a very famous neighbor. <laughs> uh, yes, Toby Keith um, <laughs> is from Moore, Oklahoma. Um, he lives here. He's a big OU fan, uh, friends with Barry Switzer. Um, but he lives about two miles from here, and he owns the golf course that I live on. And so, so he's he's around here playing golf, and this is his, kind of his hangout. He knows the members and there's about 300 members, but he, it's a place where he can, you know, people don't bug him. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you, they, they just don't. Um, and he's, he's a great guy. He's, he's got stomach cancer and he's not very, he's not very well, sadly, yeah, I know he's but he's a great guy and a, and a great uh, patriot uh, loves America uh, performs for the troops and yep. has couple different charities to help kids and he's a he's a good person yep yep and everybody who knows you knows that linda's the love of your life and so yes. three daughters how many grandkids are you up to now nine grandkids okay nine that keeps you busy yeah and then, uh i guess the last thing i would ask is have have you ever gotten a speeding ticket <laughs> what <laughs> So you got to tell the story about driving. So I would just say for everybody's benefit, we were in Florida, I think, someplace, and I was given Slavic crap for his horrible uh, speeding record. And it was you and Linda were sitting at a table at a restaurant, and I was talking to Linda. Linda was smiling, and then you got uncharacteristically quiet and sheepish. And I was like, what? What? Like, doesn't Dale drive the speed limit? You're, you're a CPA. You're a rule follower. Mm, not really so but the mac daddy of all stories driving to nebraska with your grandson you gotta tell me tell me that story it's great what what car were you you were in the bmw it was a bmw all right which what which model was it it's a it's an m6 so it's got it's 10 cylinders and 500 horsepower (laughs) it goes fast (laughs) so it was at night Um, right and no it was in the daytime okay and you're driving oklahoma to nebraska my my grandmother was 105, and she still lived in Lincoln, where my mother lives. Um, and she was um, probably on her her deathbed. And my mom's like, "You you need to get up here." And I don't know, Linda's need to stay home for something for our other girls or something. So I took my oldest grandson. I said, "He he can ride shotgun with me, keep me company." <laughs> and we took off for Lincoln. <laughs> And uh, how far is that? It's about 500 miles. Okay. <laughs> and and we made it in about five hours. <laughs> and did you meet anyone along the way? <laughs> Kansas Highway Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I get we got pulled over, and uh, this guy comes up to me and he says, uh, "You one of those classics? Are you in a hurry?" <laughs> Yeah, so I, I told him the truth. You know, I, my, I'm afraid my grandmother's going to pass away, and uh, that's that's why. You know, and of course he, I got a lecture about endangering other people and my grandson, and 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 he says, 
we've been getting calls for you for about for about about you for about the last hour going through Kansas and different county sheriffs and stuff been calling describing this car and no one can catch you. <laughs> so uh, so he was very nice, but he didn't give me a warning. <laughs> so I, I got I kind of got a big ticket, uh, but he sent me on my way and he's like, you know, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. You're you're my friend, but you probably deserved it. Yes, I know. Yeah, it wasn't very safe. No, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, no, that's that's great. So it's funny. I would, uh, you know, my, I told you my brother calls me, Mister Fifty Five, stay alive. I always do the speed limit, and uh, I just assumed, you know, because you're very cautious, you're a conservative guy, you live by the rules, and I discovered that night that wow, you've got you got a rap sheet as long as Slavics. No, I, I have. I haven't had a speeding ticket since then, and I had the M6 a long time. So no, I don't. I don't have very many. I don't. I don't really get tickets. The 500 horsepower will help. It will. <laughs> yeah. Well, pal, I can't thank you enough for the time and doing this. And again, you know, obviously, you're one of the first people I met because you were on the search committee, and uh, and uh, that was it. And you've been a friend ever since. And as you know, I, I've said so many times, the early days were pretty rocky. Uh, you know, a lot, everybody was really interested in kicking one another in the shins rather than growing the industry. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of, you know, boohoo late night calls to you, like, I'm not going to make it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you're just great. You're always solid and comforting and great advice and in my corner. And, uh, and it was great. And sure enough, it, it turned around. It, it took a while. It turned around. And, and uh, because I had leaders like you behind me. And you know, jumping in to you know get people to hush or to settle down, and we saw our way through to the other side. But it's it's just been great. So I've just so benefited from uh, having you again as an as a friend, as an active member of Napio. Man, it it made all of the difference, right? You were always that calming influence, respected by everybody. You're EF Hutton. When you spoke, everybody leaned in and listened. That's still true at the at the board table. And, uh, you know, you've just got that gravitas that people uh, listen to and respect. And that, that for me, has, has made all the difference. So I'm, I'm grateful and I appreciate it. Well, thank you. Those were a lot of good conversations. And it was it was fun to sort of teach you the business in some ways. <laughs> but uh, and we've been through a traumatic time when you're changing the, the founding CEO to, to a new a new new person. But uh it's it's been a great ride, and and uh, you've greatly benefited not only me uh, but the the whole trade association and the whole industry. And it's twelve years in; it's much better, and obviously much bigger. And I think universally, people are happy uh, with with the direction it's gone and and the direction it'll go go from here. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, really it's a good thing. It's great to have you on board. Well, thanks, pal. I really do appreciate it. So, uh, Dale Hageman of Spirit HR. Uh, that's it. All this stuff, all the dirt I dragged out of his closet. She didn't otherwise. <laughs> From the yeah. circus to the speeding ticket and everything in between. Thank you, pal. I really do appreciate it. It's great. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Pat.